Welcome back to the Sports Car Grinders show here from Roto Grinders. I'm Dean, your host, uh, joined today as usual. Well, as usual, Simon, our producer, he's the guy that puts this whole uh, this, uh, the show sheet together. He's, he's uh, the man behind the scenes. If you want him to talk about something on a topic, hit him up on the Twitter machine. Hit him up in the comment section here on YouTube. Feel free to like and subscribe. We do appreciate that. It does help out our, uh, our, uh, the old analytics. Simon, what's going on, dude? How are things in your world? Uh, not too bad, Dean. Going well. Glad to have Chief on the show. We got a lot to talk about with football starting up this week, so looking forward to it. So here's what we're doing. We're talking some NFL. Of course, NFL right around the corner. The official start Thursday night. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so about two days and change away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Uh, certainly we're excited about that. We're going to talk about the uh, the NBA bubble, and we're going to get all nostalgic. We're going to hop in the DeLorean. We're going to talk about baseball cards, sports cards from the 80s and the 90s as well, and just sort of a uh, how we go about collecting there. Is there any value or is there anything that we should, uh, you know, obviously you don't actually get to watch those players play anymore. Uh, they're all retired. You don't get to watch them this weekend and try to hope that their value goes up, but uh, we'll see if there's any reason to attack uh, some 80s cards and 90s cards with that. Uh, the aforementioned chief justice, Will, what's going on, dude. Welcome back. Hey, glad to be here, man. Uh, once again, if you guys could just get some of this pre-show, uh, I, I think I think this pre-show stuff would sell. Be like Big Brother. Uh, really excited to be here yet again, man. L love hanging out with you guys. Um, it's always a good time, but it's always informative as well. So, uh, you know, definitely ready to hop in here. I think we got some good topics we're going to talk about today. Brandon, can you vouch the, the pre-show was informative for all? Yeah, there was there was about everything you could imagine in the pre-show entertainment uh tangents and some some really interesting tidbits on the market uh as a whole so that was it was a good pre-show we i i think we should do the 24-hour big brother live stream i think it would be an interesting uh, uh content for Robert. are you in on that I, mean, I don't want to be the one that has to edit it i don't know <laughs> maybe just have the stream constantly going but a lot of downtime i would imagine is, yeah. are they still is that still a thing on big brother i don't know i know that used to be a thing that you'd pay for people to watch online but it's not really my scene. I don't know. It's too big of an investment for myself. Hey, this is sports cards. Why are we talking about Big Brother? That's my fault. My apologies for derailing the show. Uh, you know, Rotor Runners, we generally talk about daily fantasy sports. And, of course, uh, branched out talking about some sports cards. And myself, uh, I'm not a big avid collector but these days, but back in the day. We're going to talk about that in a second. Like I said, hopping on the DeLorean. Uh, Brandon, let, let's start with you. Uh, 80s cards from the 80s, cards from the 90s. Is it worth you know, uh, going back and saying, hey, let, let's invest in these guys. I know they're not playing these days, but a lot of guys have these legacies. And, you know, if cards are going up by active players, I would assume, with, you know, what is it? All boats rise in the rising tide. I, I butchered that one, but I'm sure some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I'm doing that in my head now. I definitely said that wrong. But, yeah, talk to me about the cards from the 80s and 90s. Why do you want to invest in those? Sure. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. Uh, however, the saying goes, as, as, as new as new money flows into the hobby, uh, you know, I think the first place everyone goes is the modern cards of the players that are active. But uh, for those of us who have in, uh, collected cards in the past, and just for, for those of us who remember the days of, of some of these other great players that are no longer active, we eventually will go out and look for their cards. And I think there's some value in some of those older sets um, you know, there's certain sets like 86 Fleer with the iconic Jordan that are already at astronomical prices. I mean, there are, the, there are those sets out there, but there's some others that we, you know, we'll get into that I don't think are getting the same amount of love. And, and for all the reasons you just explained, uh, you know, these players aren't going to go out and have a 50-point game or score four touchdowns 
or anything like that, but everything they've achieved in their career can't be wiped away. They've already achieved those things. And I think for the Hall of Fame talents, those cards will slowly go up. They won't be as volatile uh, because they don't have the headline, uh, you know, catching box scores and different things like that. Um, but as new money comes in, uh, people will get nostalgic and they'll buy some of these iconic cards. And the great thing is for a lot of the modern cards, the pop counts are going up and up every day. Even for the 80s and 90s cards where there was a lot printed, these things are 20, 30 years old now. And it, I find it hard to believe there's a lot of gem mints out there that haven't already been graded. And so I think if you get the nines and tens in these sets that your pop counts are going to be relatively low for Hall of Fame talents and some really cool retro designs. So I absolutely think it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. I just wouldn't expect the same volatility, which can be a good thing uh, as you'll get with some of these more modern cards. I just did a quick Google search. Apparently Kennedy is credited with saying it. The rising tide lifts all the boats. So there you go. Yeah, judges are not giving it to me. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I was close. You all know what I meant. Uh, Simon, what is your approach as far as collecting cards from years past, the 80s and 90s? Um, I tend to avoid the, the older cards uh, dating back that far. But if I was to invest in them, I'd be looking definitely at the graded cards because you want to try to get as scarce as you can from that era. We all know that they had some uh, overprinting going on at that time. So if you can find graded cards from that era, then great, go for it. But if you're buying raw cards and stuff like that, it's going to be kind of difficult to find those cards that would, that would grade out well, I would imagine. As is tradition in the show, it just immediately starts raining every single time we start recording. So my apologies. <laughs> if you guys are hearing rain in the background, I'm doing my best to mute when I'm not on. But it is pouring once again. So there you go. Status quo. Uh, Will, what, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, you were like me, right? You were a card collector back in the day. And like you've, you've jumped back in much more, you know, actively these days, obviously. But uh, how do you feel now as far as going back to finding cards in the 80s, finding cards in the 90s? And how do you uh, identify what will be the cards that are worth investing in? Well, for me, I think, you know, it all goes back to that, that one word in this hobby. And I think, you know, if, if you're in this hobby for the right reason, then yeah, you're going to have some profit potential. But I just think there's so much value in still enjoying what we're doing and adding to your personal collection. Like, you know, I, I have some cars that I'm just not going to sell. Um, no matter what. Now, maybe my kids sell it, you know, when they realize, oh, it's worth money later on in life. But I think, you know, I, I don't want to overlook that. I know we're talking about older cards, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, you know, in our era, we grew up with some cards that, you know, if we don't have them now, we'd probably love to just have in our collection to say, you know, this is something I grew up with as, as a kid. And, um, I, you know, Brennan is always elite in his analysis of, of these older cards because while they may not go up in value, you know, after, you know, every swing of a bat or, you know, every time someone makes a shot, like we talk about, their value is, is already baked in and what they've accomplished. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, your Barry Sanders, your Michael Jordan, you know, your Steve Young, your Joe Montana's, your Dan Marino's. Those are the guys we're talking about. You know, their legacy is already baked in into every card that you purchase. And so, um, I, I will bring up this little side note. I'd love to get you guys' opinion on it. Uh, and I know this isn't particularly in our script today, but I think one of the things that we saw with The Last Dance is that as long as ESPN and Netflix and Hulu and all these guys are going to be cranking out documentaries of our older teams that we grew up and loved, 
we're always going to see some spikes here and there. And I think it's, it's during those spikes, we have to decide, do we hold on to it or do we let it go? And, and I'm only bringing that up because, I mean, I saw Charles Barkley spike. I saw Scottie Pippen spike. I saw Michael Jordan spike when the documentary came out, you know, and, you know, I, I'm sure some huge documentary is going to come out about this, you know, early 90s Jimmy Johnson Cowboys team at some point. And I'm talking about a real one that gets behind the scenes. I'm sure something like that is going to come out at some point. And so my question to you guys is, how do you feel about documentaries, you know, helping to increase or give us small spikes along the way? And then how, you know, how are you kind of going to view that in terms of your PC stuff? Yeah, Brennan, give your thoughts on that because uh, it's it, the Jordan one, the documentary was amazing. However, you feel this, the, the last dance. My, my question is kind of like, what's next? How could you top that? And like, how do you top Jordan? And, like, I was trying to think, and there was a Twitter question. They are asking, like, well, who should be the next athlete? The bar is set so high. And, like, I thought Ali would be a great one, but, like, that doesn't really equate to sports cards, obviously. But, uh, like, Brennan, like, who's the next guy or the next – like, uh, okay, they, maybe, maybe it's the Cowboys. All of a sudden, they get in the trach, maybe get the Michael Irvin. Is that, is that a possibility? So we actually on this show talked about what I think is going to be the next big documentary, and it is the Tom Brady Patriots years. Um, and so if you go back yeah. to a guy like Randy Moss or, you know, the host of wide receivers he's thrown to, um, some of their running backs were, were there for, for most of those runs. So if you're asking me which one's going to match up to the last dance, that's the only one that I foresee coming anytime soon. I already picked up a couple of Randy Moss. We talked about that on the show. Uh, here's the problem I think that um, I've run into already. So Kobe Bryant also recently had a documentary. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, but it was released on YouTube in like short 15, 20 minute episodes. It, the production quality was not the last dance quality, the hype around it, the production, the, the advertisements weren't there. And Kobe Bryant's cards have come up, but Derek Fisher, Ron Artest, Paul Gasol, those guys didn't see the Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman bumps that the last dance had given them. And so I think uh, we have to be very cautious about not any documentary will generate that kind of buzz. Um, but to Will's point, um, you know, to Chief's point, if you see your card go up an astronomical value and you're not emotionally tied to it, I think that is the time to sell it because these guys aren't going to play every single season. Their documentaries are going to come around maybe once in a lifetime. And so that is your opportunity. A guy like Trey Young will have several 50-point games over the next several years uh, to, to give you an opportunity to sell. So, um, you know, there's certain cards I agree that I'm not going to sell no matter how high it goes. Uh, I mean, I say that, but if it goes up a 10 X, 15, 20 X, okay, fine. I'll sell it and buy something else of that player. But for the older stuff, I, I generally plan to keep it for many years. Like chief said, I plan to, to give it to my son as I grow old and he, you know, kind of moves on. And so I'm not necessarily looking at these from an ROI perspective, but funny enough, I have a couple of older cards graded. I looked at them and they had tripled in value. And I was like, what? How, like, how is that even possible? These guys haven't done anything. I have a Magic Johnson that's more than doubled from the 1990 uh, Skybox set. I, I mean, as new money comes in, they're going to buy these great players. The problem is you, you can't buy guys that aren't going to be relevant forever. So there's only a certain amount of people uh, that will be relevant forever. And you can probably count them on your hands and toes. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of value here, but I, I agree with Chief. I would approach this from a hobby, enjoyment, nostalgic perspective. And on the off chance that, you know, a card goes up four, five, six X and you're not emotionally tied to it, 
use that as an opportunity to sell and get into a card that you are emotionally tied to. So, um, you know, it's always a song and dance you have to play. Um, but for some of the older stuff, I'm not focused on ROI as I am with the young, younger players. Yeah, Chief said there was one word like he, he thought of, and I was like, and he said hobby, and that's a good word too. But I was thinking, I thought he was going to say nostalgia. And that's kind of what you're talking about as far as being emotionally attached. And, you know, all the people that have nostalgia presumably now have disposable income or a certain percentage now have disposable It's us. Like we're now, we've now grown up and we have jobs and we have money to some degree, disposable income. And now we can go back and say, oh yeah, I remember back when in 1990, I loved this player and I loved this card and I couldn't afford it. And now you can't. And it might be more, it might be less. For the record, by Cody Bryan also had a documentary on, on Showtime called Muse. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the same one that kind of cut up. I couldn't tell you uh, on YouTube, but uh, your thoughts on that conversation, Simon, uh, you know, if, if anybody, else, anybody out there can top, you know, top Jordan, which is really, really hard or even get close to that conversation, I suppose. Uh, and just, you know, what about getting these cards PSA graded? The, the cards in the 80s, cards in the 90s, what, what justifies it? What would make you say that this card is worth getting it graded? I think as far as which documentaries, I'm with Brennan on, uh, on the Patriots. I think that'd make a really good one. I think if it was a really high quality documentary, like was on ESPN rather than, you know, a YouTube documentary or something like that. I think Kobe and, and his, uh, his teammates would do, uh, better in a, in a documentary like that. Something the high quality that the whole nation is talking about and, and you get a situation like that, then it would give a lot more value to the production, but also to, the cards themselves going up. I'm more ROI. Uh, I prefer to sell my cards when I have an opportunity, when they have a big spike for a reason, like a documentary or something like that. I would sell it. And then if you love the cards that much, you can buy them back later, likely. Kind of a day trade uh, situation with those cards. Just, uh, you know, just because I, I prefer to take your profit while you can. And like I said, if you have an emotional attachment, you can always buy it back later. Or you could buy a subscription to Market Movers for your kid. And oh. uh, you can get 20% off of that by using the promo code GRINDERS. And uh, you get 20% off your first payment on any subscription. So you can use that to find cards that have a better value for you at the time that you can uh, reinvest in and hold for longer term or until you see a good opportunity to flip those as well. I believe we're going to be showing off that uh, market mover tool later on the show again from sportscardinvestor.com SCI and you get 20% off your first payment uh, using the promo code grinders G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Let me hop in on this on the back side because you know we just can't leave this show without our, our stock, market, stock market segment and you know uh, as the guys were talking, man, it really reminds me of just, you know, when you're thinking about the stock market, you know, about guys selling short. And, you know, that, that's kind of how I feel, you know, thinking about it, especially when Simon brought up, you know, he, he likes to take his profit. You know, some of those older cards, you know, may, maybe we do feel like we can get them back. And so maybe we sell short and then we go buy back into it later. So, no, we can't we can't leave this show without our, our, our stock market equivalent. So, there you go. So sell your old cards short if you want to and, and buy them back later. Yeah, I know yourself and Brandon, both of you guys have a pretty strong financial background. Uh, and I think Simon has dabbled, always kind of dabbled in the market to some degree, but you guys especially uh, are featured in that. But And also, well, one more thing as far as the Jordan thing, uh, you know, 
it was the perfect storm of this is the perfect subject at the perfect time because you have the most captured audience. Everybody's sitting at home kind of waiting for something. And there was no sports at the time either, you know, based outside of the fringe stuff and whatever, esports, whatever you want to call uh, the major sports were not in play. Uh, Brennan, uh, did you do it? You have an answer as far as that? Like, what, how do I know when to get my card PSA graded? Like, what, what, what justifies, what does my card have to be for me to say, yes, let's go out and send this at the PSA. It's worth uh, getting a grading on this. I mean, this is where a tool like Market Movers will really help you out. Because when I'm looking at uh, raw cards and considering getting them graded, I first look at the margins between a raw card, a PSA 9, and a PSA 10. And, and for these older cards, I really think you have to look at what is a raw selling at, what is a PSA 8 selling at, and then a 9 and a 10. Because uh, you have to shift your scale kind of down a little bit with the older cards. I mean, PSA 9 and PSA 10, are, it's, it's that or bust with these modern cards. There's a lot of older cards, especially, you know, from the 80s, like a guy like Kareem, where a PSA 8 is similar to a PSA 9 and a modern card. So what I would do is, is when I find a player or a card I'm going after, I'd write all those numbers down. And if I can buy the raw for a dollar and the PSA 8 or PSA 9 is selling for 50 or 60, that's one I'd consider sending in. Um, one of my favorite sets to look at right now is uh, the Skybox 1990 and 1991. I can get a John Stockton, Larry Bird, um, uh, Magic used to be this cheap, but he's a little bit higher now, for like 40 bucks So for a PSA 10. So why buy a raw card, spend $20 to get it graded, a raw card that is 30 years old, just to try to make a $20 profit? And that, if the, in that case, I'm buying the PSA 10s all day. And in fact, you can get a Jordan in that set for 200 In my opinion, you either got to buy a bunch of $1, $5 Jordans look at all of them and pick your three or four favorite and send them in or just, you know, bite the bullet, buy the $200 Jordan, which is like a pop 600 and, and live with it. So it's, it's all an opportunity cost. You have to look at what the PSA eight through PSA 10 is selling for. And if the numbers just don't make sense, considering these will not grade gem mint tens like the modern cards will, they're not going to be 60% gem mint tens as we're seeing. And you know, you've got to, it's just all got to make sense. So write all the numbers down and really think to yourself, would I rather guarantee myself a 10 for a small premium or would I rather, you know, shoot for the fences? Uh, you know, if a 10 selling for a thousand, then I'm buying $10 rolls all day and sending them in to get graded. So it's, it's all an opportunity cost. And it's just really, you know, if you don't have market movers and that's not in your budget, uh, I would look at some of the old eBay uh, auctions and see what they're going for, write those numbers down. So um, you just got to be smart about it. But for Skybox, in my opinion, buy the 10s all day. For a lot of these Hall of Famers, you can get them for under 100 bucks easy. Dean, you on mute? I am on mute. Oh, was, Dean. Uh, well, you know, it's pouring here. I did give the heads up, but I apologize. I'm not a professional. Uh, yeah, Will, I, we, I was saying, we were talking pre-show about one of the sets you were nostalgic about, and uh, – you know, when you think back to collecting so many years ago, what's the one set that kind of comes to mind? What's the one set that you're still kind of fond of that you might go back and revisit? Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's, the, it's the 93 Upper Deck set, uh, NBA. Um, you know, I, for, for some reason, I've always just been attached to that that particular uh, set. I think I just, I, I like the way the, the cards were built. I think I like uh, how they kind of put it together. And it's really not an expensive set at all. I mean, you know, they don't, most of them don't have any gold foil or anything like that, but it's just, it's, it's a set I enjoyed as a kid. I think, um, 
you know, that wasn't my first Michael Jordan card, but I think when I got pretty serious about collecting, uh, you know, on my own and kind of spending my own money for it, uh, with out of my allowance, then, you know, those, those were the cards I remember getting. I mean, I had the Jordan, I had the Pippen, um, you know, we, we traded cards at school. And so, uh, that's just, you know, a, a personal attachment that I have for that set. Uh, Penny was a rookie and, you know, j- just stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed that set. Um, you know, the sky, the skylights was, I think the insert in that set, I know you guys see me talk about inserts, but skylights was in that set. Um, you know, my favorite on skylights was Patrick Ewing, just because, you know, he was in New York and I know you're saying, well, you know, God, you you like Patrick Ewing, but if you just check that card out, it's a really cool card. Uh, he was one of the ones had a, had a, uh, mostly all of the, it was like, kind of like nighttime. And I think the lights were on. It, it was just really cool to see him in, in that particular card. So that was one of my favorite inserts from that set. Skylights, Patrick Ewan, but I uh, love, love that set of cards. You're a Hornets fan now. Were you a Hornets fan back in the day? Were you a, a, an LJ drama morning kind of guy? Yeah, I've, I've always been a Hornets fan. I just happened to move to Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been a Hornets fan pretty much, you know, since they've been there. All right. Uh, the one that I'm kind of nostalgic for, uh, 89 score football, you know, it has Barry Sanders rookie card, has Troy Aikman's rookie card, Michael Urban's rookie card, Deion Sanders rookie card, Andre Risen rookie card, Bad Moon Risen, uh, Tony Mandrish, the number one pick in the draft, offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, he's in it. It's his rookie card as well. Uh, Brennan, do you recall this set? Is this something that I should consider uh, investing in? Uh, when I was looking at it pre-show, knowing that it was on our list, it looked like one of the iconic brands already. So I'm not sure there's a ton of, uh, like, I don't know that you're going to get them cheap, but it is an iconic brand, which means that it's probably got some long-term desirability in the in the market. So if it fits your budget, absolutely, you can go after that set. It does look like an iconic set. Um, and, and it plus, as a bonus, it's got the nostalgic factor. So um, I'm all in if it fits your budget, but I, like, I don't think it's a dirty little secret. I think the 89 score football is a, is a, is a known brand and for good reason. It's a really great draft class and it's a, a really nice set. My, my know nothing friend said to me, Hey, you, instead of that score, you should be buying pro set back in 1999. And I never forgave you, Stevie. That's why I'm not calling. That's why we're not Facebook friends. All right. That's, I'm just doing my own little thing over here. Simon, do you have a favorite, uh, a favorite set back in the day? Yeah, I mean, back in the early 90s when Upper Deck first came out and they started going higher end on some of those top sets with Top Stadium Club and Fleer Ultra. And I actually have, uh, for Chief, uh, a Fleer Ultra Alonzo Mourning uh, rookie card there uh, that I just have, happen to have uh, standing by me. I got a, I got a Shaquille O'Neal, uh, one of those two. It's an impromptu sure. eBay bidding now. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I got to get Invest. those uh, get those graded <laughs> before I do that because I don't think that they're worth uh, more than ten dollars. Last time I checked, so I got to uh, I got to get those graded for sure. But I liked when they started coming out with those alternative sets to just the standard tops or Fleer, and they started doing those Stadium Club and Fleer Ultra. And I think Upper Deck just joining into the into the business is kind of what what sparked that race to get higher end or higher higher end cards onto the market all right if you want to clean up this topic by all means go for it brandon but i want to move on and talk about the bubble the nba bubble still going on denver came all the way back uh, as predicted in the show last week denver came all the way back and uh, won the series against utah 
We have the game five of Milwaukee versus the Heat in like an hour and a half. I mean, an hour after our recording. We don't know who's going to win. When you're listening to this, you'll, we might sound like we don't know what we talk about. Hey, that's just how, you know, we're doing it live right now, an hour and a half before that game starts. Uh, Giannis is currently questionable. Of course, Milwaukee is down 3-1. Uh, Denver is down to the Clippers right now. Houston and the Lakers play later on tonight. It's currently 1-1. Um, what are we seeing uh, as, far as, as far as the bubble here, Brennan? Do, does Denver players, are they getting a bump? Is Murray getting a bump? Uh, MPJ, of course, got a bump before the bubble. Uh, in anticipation of, and then Jokic, the Joker. Are we interested in these guys, or just kind of lame ducks are going to lose? So who cares? Yeah, well, to clean up the last segment, uh, one other thing to consider when looking at raw cards is, is get as many pictures as you can. For the modern stuff, I tend to be a little bit more lenient if the picture's not clear. But if 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 you're getting an old card, ask for clear pictures because there's a much better chance it's got flaws somewhere on the card. So be a little bit more picky with the older stuff. So I'll, I will say that if you're going after raw. Uh, as far as the bubble is concerned, uh, we're still seeing some cards run up. Uh, in fact, one of Jamal Murray's hottest cards over the last 14 days has been his, uh, his mosaic, his base mosaic PSA 10. So when you think about it, it's up 58%, and that's for, for 10 sales in the last 14 days. So even after his big series against Utah, you know, we're seeing his cards hold pretty good value. Um, but that being said, it's it, and we were talking about this pre-show, it seems like the inside the bubble, the flashy performances are kind of outweighing on-court impact. Um, a guy like Bam Adebayo has seen his cards come up, um, but not as much as a guy like Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. or any of these other guys that are putting out a lot of points um, in, in, in flashy highlight real plays. I mean, Bam will just easily get you 20-10-8 and like have a really good defensive game. And, like, it'll go under the radar. Everybody will be talking about Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think it is something to be aware of that uh, a player like Bam and, and some of these other guys, Marcus Smart on, on Boston has been key to their, their run here. He's not flashy at all. Jalen Brown has been rather inefficient, but his cards have performed better because he has a better chance of scoring 20 points. Um, and so it's one thing to keep in mind. Performance and points and scoring still run the, run the market. But what we're seeing is some of these players like Jason Tatum hit a peak a couple weeks ago and are starting to come down, even though they're, they're up in the series. They have a very good chance to, to make the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals. But he's just not doing anything extraordinary. We already know how good he is, and I think pe- he's losing steam. And so um, we have to know that, you know, towards the end of the bubble, I think we're going to start see a little bit of fatigue and some pullback on prices. But for a guy like Jason Tatum, I'm not selling now, even though his prices are coming down, because you better believe if they make a run for the title, his prices are going right back up. And so, um, you know, we kind of get – we kind of start sleeping on these guys like Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, who who hit their peak and then just kind of have now – the new normal is them being really good. So I think for guys like that, I'm noticing we need finals appearances. We need big games in in big – you know, in big time. So that's what I've noticed so far. Um, and I think we can definitely use that to our advantage in the market. Yeah, a couple of things. Tatum is probably going to benefit from the likelihood of Miami, Miami moving on for, versus Milwaukee. It's not over just yet, but if Giannis can't go, and I'm seeing right now on Twitter, apparently he's putting up a shot or two. We shall see as, as far as the pregame warm-ups. Again, we don't know. When you guys are listening to this, you'll probably find out what happened in that series. But the presumption is that Milwaukee is most likely going to be eliminated from Miami and yeah, like Butler is 30 years old, and I love his work ethic, and he's so impressive, like what, what, what he turned himself into. And I don't 
I still think it's pretty weird. He's been on four different teams in the last, like, two and a half, three years, whatever it is, for whatever reason. He just keeps, like, getting turned over. But I think he's an awesome player. But Bam is – I guess he's not sexy. I don't know. Uh, but like you said, he's a big dude that's an excellent defender, a great post fan, which is kind of a lost art these days to some degree, basketball 2020. I really – I mean, as a Heat fan, I'm selfish. I want him to learn the three. And you hit some threes for me, man. I'd really love that. Uh, if you added the three, just forget it. But he's also a big man, not as good as Jokic from a passing perspective, but an awesome passer for a big man. Like you said, it is a possibility of a triple-double. Uh, you know, that, that he definitely can do that. And that's just something you don't see uh, from centers so much, at least not in you know, years past, obviously. Uh, jump in here, Chief, as far as your thoughts on the bubble. Is Miami – is are my Heat – they going to knock out Milwaukee tonight? Is that going to happen? And is that all of a sudden – you know, a domino effect, it helps out Boston because then Boston doesn't have to face Milwaukee and Giannis, so it's a clearer path to the finals. Thoughts? Uh, here, here's the deal, man. Uh, this this bubble has changed a lot, right? I, I don't want to overlook the fact that uh, these guys had a few months off, right? And so, you know, I, I heard Kenny Smith kind of talk about this, and I brought it up before. But I really like to trust guys that have been in the environment, have played the game. And one of the things Kenny Smith talked about was even though, you know, they had already started a season, when you have that many months off, it's almost like off season. And so they come back in and it's like this whole new world. And so they're playing this bubble. And honestly, I think Milwaukee's just off. I mean, I, I heard I heard, I'd heard that Chris Middleton was kind of out of shape when he got back. A lot of them were probably out of shape. Maybe it messed up a little bit of continuity. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I play sports and I coach sports. And so trying to get your pulse on a team only works if you're around that team because you see what's going on every day. You know how practice is going. You know what the coaches are saying. You know, you know how the players are reacting. And I'm saying that to say that right now, Milwaukee just looks to not have any continuity. They just happen to be a whole lot better than Orlando in terms of raw talent. Uh, if but Orlando could have essentially put them out of the bubble early. Orlando played hard. They didn't have Aaron Gordon. They didn't have Jonathan Isaac. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams was hurt. And so if, if I feel like if Orlando was at full strength, we might have seen Milwaukee exit the bubble a little bit earlier. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying Milwaukee just hasn't played as well as they should have in the bubble. And now you face a Miami team that not only wants to play defense willingly, but pretty much everybody on the team can score 20. And I'm not saying that to exaggerate. Jimmy can score 20. Duncan Robinson can, can score 20. Drogic can score 20. Bam can score 20. Tyler Hero can score 20. Kendrick Nunn can score 20. That's six guys I just named just right off the bat. And I didn't even talk about Kelly Olenek, who can sprinkle in 20 randomly if somebody gets hurt. So I just think they ran into a team that's hungry. Uh, I think Jimmy fits the Pat Riley way of thinking. Uh, I think they've built good chemistry, and I think that's why uh, Milwaukee's going to get put out of the playoffs today. And it's also why Giannis may end up in Wade County next season. Woohoo! Let's do it! <laughs> yeah, as a Miami Heat fan, I definitely want Giannis. That'd be amazing. Uh, there's some rumors I'm going to Toronto as well, too. I saw Dallas being thrown out there. but Also a rumor of him going to Golden State. I just want to yeah. put that out there. There is a rumor. God, if he goes there, it's Kevin Durant all over again. Hand him a championship. But I would prefer him to not go there, to be honest. So, Brennan, your thoughts on that? And, like, betting, you know, investing in Giannis, which is, like, where he might 
he's on the verge of getting eliminated. And like, and theoretically that's not going to help his card, but if he gets traded to a better spot, a better team going forward, then all of a sudden, you know, perception might change on him too. And I mean, look, if you have a choice, and this is no knock on Milwaukee, I've never been to Milwaukee. I'm sure it's a fine city. But if you look at all the cities in America, though, you know, you're probably, if you have the choice of living in Miami or, you know, New York, LA, you know, Toronto's a beautiful city. I've been there. Uh, I'm guessing Milwaukee's probably not the top. I know he said he's happy for, and he's, he enjoys a small town, you know, theoretically small town compared to the other cities. But anyway, I want to speak on the, you mentioned the Raleigh thing. Miami, the heat culture is real. That is a real thing. And when you're off for two months or so, the, no team is in better shape, better shape than Miami Heat. They get more out of their players than any other team as well, too. They're not the most talented team, but they get more out of everybody. They also got Hero, who's 20-year-old, look like he advanced, advanced his game. And he's another guy we don't really talk about, but why don't we talk about Hero as an investment? I understand he's not the same conversation as Giannis, Luca, and all those guys. But, um, yeah, I said a lot of things. Brennan, uh, whatever you want to follow us up on, feel free, and then we'll move on to talk about some NFL. Sure. So let's, let's first talk about Bam's three-point shot, because it's coming. The guy can shoot free throws, and his mid-range jump shot looks good. And, and I, of course, I'm a Kentucky fan. I've, I've said it before on this show. Uh, you know, Coach Cal loves guys who work hard that have a good head on their shoulders. So if that guy needs a three, he's going to get a three-point shot. So I'm, I'm all in on Bam's three-point shot coming. Al Horford developed one late in his career. Brooke Lopez turned into a good three-point shooter. It can happen. You just have to have good mechanics and touch, which typically you'll see in free-throw shooting first. So Blake I, I Griffin, too. Blake Griffin. So I, I think Bam's three-point shot's coming – so then let's wrap that into Giannis surrounded by Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam, who can shoot a three in three years, and uh, probably not Jimmy Butler because at that point he'll probably have lost his edge. But I, 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 had, I was in a heated uh, Skype conversation this week at work about whether or not Giannis was going to Dallas or Golden State. I don't know why any superstar in their right mind would go into the West right now. I just don't know why you would want to have to fight through the juggernauts that are in the West when in East – has one, at any given time, one major obstacle. Um, Miami and Boston seem to be the two obstacles this year. Uh, and if he joins Miami, it, there goes one of his biggest threats. So I think he stays in the East. My bet is it's Miami. I selfishly want him to somehow get his way to Boston. I don't know if they can make that happen. Probably not. Um, but that's a culture thing as well. Boston's culture, uh, Minnesota's culture. I think I think Giannis needs that. I I don't, I did the golden state thing. I think everybody just likes to say guys are going to golden state. They seem to like Wiggins. It seems to be hard for them to make that happen. I know they have a trade exception, uh, but for his card values, and I they have he, a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of draft picks. Yeah. Uh, in a bad draft. So I don't know if anybody's going to value those, but they certainly don't think that uh, any of those top three are their, their missing piece. Um, but for his card prices, I think a move anywhere is going to help. And I think them getting bounced by Miami is going to hurt his value. So if we've ever looked for a good opportunity to get on, get in on Giannis, this offseason is probably the time it, you know, if he doesn't demand a trade and he stays through the end of his contract and they struggle into next year, he'll probably continue to go down or stay low. Um, so if he's been priced out of your budget and uh, it comes down quite a bit after getting, you know, sent out of the bubble, I think now's the time to get in because if he goes to Dallas, Golden State, Miami, anywhere, the prices are going to skyrocket and he has a good chance of now being one of the first players in a long time and ever to win the defensive player of the year and MVP, back-to-back MVPs. And if he adds a ring to that, game over. He's now in the conversation uh, as a long-term hold, as a legacy player. I mean, it's just, we're that close. So to get him at a discount 
is much different than Zion, who has a lot left to prove. So I'm taking the dip, and I'm buying the dip on Giannis uh, and hoping he ends up in a better situation. Yeah, and if he leaves, like the surrounding players, his teammates are almost definitely going to be better than his surrounding teammates currently in Milwaukee. Like I, I can't foresee a situation where he goes somewhere and his teammates are a downgrade. You guys agree with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, and it'd be interesting to see. Like, uh, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's gonna like, demand a trade, and he would be gone. He still has one more year after this year, and Milwaukee might be took, put in a tough spot where they want to get something for him, maybe like a sign and trade kind of thing. Uh, who really knows how that's gonna go down? But they probably wouldn't want to like let him just go free agency, get nothing for him. And I don't know. It'll be definitely something to watch, obviously. And maybe he signs with Milwaukee. I don't think that happens, but we shall see. Simon, we're gonna talk some football. NFL is two days around the corner. Uh, how do we? Uh, you know, how excited are we, uh, you know, as far as ball season when it comes to a, uh, a collecting, a collector's perspective, uh, what players that we're looking at, and is it going to be, I know we talked about this pre-show, you think it's going to be kind of like a, a day, day trading style, basically, how is this player doing this weekend, and if they have a big week, all of a sudden you can sell them, all of a sudden you can buy them, and, you know, open up your account there on StarStock, open up on, on ComC, uh, tell the people what that is, by the way, and then, uh, Give me some names. We've got to fire out some names that we're looking at, or even some teams first. Some teams first as far as strength and schedule that we're excited about as far as uh, the potential, uh, you know, positive outcome based upon good matchups. Yeah, uh, StarStock and ComC are sites that you want to open up accounts on so you can have quicker access to the cards that you're buying. You don't have to wait for them to come to you in the mail. They're kept in a, a warehouse somewhere, and, and you have it on electronic uh, record of what you've bought and what's in your in your current stock so you can list it and flip it pretty easily on those sites without having to pay shipping fees or without having to pay the uh, the extra eBay fees that they charge and it gives you an opportunity to move quickly and I have a feeling that with all the fantasy players that are going to be getting into cards this football season I have a feeling that those cards are going to be flipping pretty quickly and I think they're going to be based on performances, week-to-week performances. So if you can get single-out teams that look like they have big chunks of games where they have uh, pretty easy schedules and you can kind of pinpoint the players that are going to have those streaks of several games where they're going to potentially have big games, I think those are teams that you want to try to target players on. Uh, Chief and I have both talked about this in the past. We like to target those skill position players. I know that Hobby is traditionally quarterback focused, but I think with the fantasy players getting into the space, I think they're going to want to target these skill position players. And we're already seeing it in the prices of a lot of these wide receivers. And I was looking at some some running backs even uh, just today, and I noticed that those prices are starting to creep up as well. But there's still opportunity there to get in on those skill position players and try to flip them based on what you think is going to take off in the near future. All right. You're going to break down some players for us momentarily. We're going to talk about that aforementioned, uh, the market mover tool that we were talking about before. Again, you get 20% off your first payment using uh, the promo code grinders, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S at sportcardinvestor.com. But first, uh, Chief, you're just your initial thoughts as far as your approach with the season upcoming and how you're approaching it from a sports card collection uh, perspective. Well, you know, one of the first things I'm going to say is we've been talking about this for months. To me, this is no different than Cam. Uh, I'm not sure if you were watching folks, but everybody laughed at us in Discord 
They laughed at me and Simon all, all the past three or four months. Ladies and gentlemen, Mitchell Trubisky will be starting week one. Not, not sure if you caught the news. Uh, Matt Nagy has announced that he will be starting, said that he earned the job, had to get the Trubisky plug in there. Uh, spoiler alert, week one, he's playing the Lions. Uh, get your Mitchell Trubisky cards now. See if you can get them shipped to you before the weekend. Uh, this might be the one game that he goes off. Uh, anyway, just wanted to get that plug in there. Had to take my Trubisky uh, victory lap for everyone that laughed at us. Hey, hey take the victory lap on Cam because you're buying a bunch of Cam. What were you buying it at? What were you selling it at? Uh, Cam, I was probably getting, God, guys, I mean, anywhere from nine to 50 bucks. And I'm talking about graded cards, PSA 9s, PSA 10s. Uh, I think my highest Cam I sold was probably 300 bucks or something like that at the time, uh, which, you know, I didn't even have to go on eBay. I had already priced them up. Uh, Cam is starting week one as well, uh, you know, and look, everybody can't speculate the same, but I, I will say, try to try and follow your gut, man. You know, we, and, and I'm bringing up the Trubisky news to, to, to try and help uh, younger guys that are kind of getting into the game and you want to get some graded cards and you want to take some shots. Uh, Nick Foles was never going to be the answer. Nick Foles had gone from team to team to team. He wasn't good in Kansas city. He wasn't good uh, with the Rams. He wasn't as good with, with the Eagles as everyone thought. As long as he's your starter, you're not winning a championship. If he's your backup starter, then there, there you go. He can get you through. So just want to kind of put that out there because I'm, I'm running this segment into guys that I feel like we probably need to be buying now. And I talked about guys switching teams. Uh, you know, which one of those guys was Leonard Fournette. His prices have already increased. Uh, Trubisky, Trubisky's prices are still down. I, I, I would still invest in Trubisky. One of the guys that I think people may have forgotten about just a tad uh, because of a similar, similar situation, everyone feels like Todd Gurley is just kind of, you know, uh, spoiled goods. And while that may be true, we understand that Atlanta kind of runs a running back by committee type of type of deal. And I got to feel like between Gurley Hill and Edo Smith, I feel like they'd want to get Todd Gurley going at the goal line. I feel like there will be some huge Todd Gurley performances, uh, especially if they're using like Devontae Freeman in the passing game. I think Gurley, if, if they're going to go running back by committee yet again, I think there's some big performances coming. I think he's a guy – that we can go ahead and get it, you know, get his cards right now. Um, he's been pretty marketable. I didn't kind of talk about that, but he's been a fairly marketable player uh, over time. So, so he's a guy I think that we, we really need to look at. I'm going to talk about this guy one last time because of the new environment. I think Phillip Rivers has a really good year. This division is not as strong as people like to make it out to be. Uh, I think they can beat Houston. I think they can beat Jacksonville. I mean, I just think they're teams that they can beat um, within that division. I, I really, really like Phillip Rivers this year uh, as, a, as a quick flip or a long-term hold, depending on how their season ends. I, I'm actually kind of picking them to sneakily win the division. So, Will, uh, you know, you talk about stock market personality or stock market, stock market perspective or approach. Uh, if you see Trubisky have a big game this weekend and he has 303 and the Bears win, and maybe you're not necessarily a believer in Trubisky, but you believe he was going to play well against Detroit, and you can get a certain percentage markup uh, 
do you flip them right away? Like, is that, is that how uh, proactive you have to be as far as based upon performance and then all of a sudden the price gets hiked up a certain percentage, you just pounce or, I mean, obviously it has to do with uh, how you feel about the long-term prospects of a guy as well too, but uh, Trubisky specifically, if he has a big weekend, do you just sell and just take, take your, uh, take your profit? Well, you got to sell. I, I don't think Trubisky's a Super Bowl winner. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to win any MVPs. In my opinion, if Mitchell Trubisky, as a matter of fact, just go ahead and price up your Trubisky cards today. Uh, if you've got Trubisky cards, if you pick them up, price them up now. That way, if he goes off on Sunday, they can just click the button and you don't have to go in trying to manipulate your pricing, uh, you know, or trying to get it adjusted. And, and that's why I say set it where you want to sell it now. You know, you know me, I've kind of got this rule. If I buy it for 40 it really depends on the quality of the card and stuff like that. Like if I, if I get a, a Topps Chrome refractor, obviously I'm going to sell that for more than just a traditional Topps. But, you know, if I'm in it for 40 I typically want 3X. And then if the quality of the card is like a refractor, I may push it to 160 I'm not a greedy guy per se. You know, I like to be fair with the pricing. I don't want to overinflate the market. But I do want to pay myself for, you know, being smart enough to get ahead of, to get ahead of the field. All right, Simon, uh, give me a couple teams, maybe some players in those teams that we're looking at that are kind of popping from th that sort of approach. They have a really, really positive strength of schedule that can, you know, come out and show out, you know, week one, week two, maybe the first month of the season. I, I just want to add to that uh, Trubisky thought. If the, these teams are playing with very little fans or no fans and no fan, crowd noise or anything like that to contend with, a guy like Trubisky who's kind of lost his confidence over the last couple of years – uh, might actually perform better in an environment like that. He doesn't have to worry about getting booed or, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the away crowds being too loud or whatever. So he might, he might, might actually help him focus a little bit better. So wouldn't be surprised to see a couple, uh, a couple big games out of him maybe early on. Uh, as far as uh, teams, the Colts, according to Warren Sharp's uh, strength of schedule, actually have the easiest schedule this year so I'm with Chief on that uh, that Philip Rivers play I think Philip Rivers has a lot of potential with that with that schedule he has coming up and he's got probably one of the best offensive lines uh, playing in front of him too so he's he's got that going for him and he's got I feel like he's got a decent amount of weapons uh, this season at least equal to what he's had in the past in in um, not San San Diego, but uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So I think he has a lot of potential to to have a surprise year. And I'm with Chief. I think they have a good chance to actually win the win the division this year. Uh, another team that I would be focused on is the Houston Texans. And I think that Deshaun Watson is kind of set up like in the first few weeks to have some some big games. He plays the Chiefs in Week One. So that game should be a shootout. So you should be able to put up uh, stats pretty, pretty well in there. I'm looking at a chart right now comparing Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott to Lamar Jackson. Dak Prescott recently caught up to that Deshaun Watson uh, price. So they're both trading right now or, or selling right now for around that $700 range. I'm talking about the 2018, uh, I'm sorry, 2017 Optic Football Hollow PSA 10 for Deshaun Watson and the 2016 Optic Hollow PSA 10 for, uh, for Dak Prescott. 
Now, if you look at both these, both these players, like they have both had a pretty decent amount of success in their, in their short careers so far, but they've had several years of consistency versus Lamar Jackson, who has had one great year, great MVP year. But I think that Dak and Deshaun Watson are undervalued relative to Jackson. I think either one of these guys could have a huge season like Lamar did last year. And we're talking about prices under $700 versus Lamar Jackson, who's at around $2,300. So I could see at some point during the season, both Deshaun and Dak prices doubling uh, throughout the season, depending on how the how the expectations uh, go for them, I know Dak is expected to have a monster season this year. Uh, Desh- uh, Deshaun is probably, you know, he's he's probably not in as good a position to have a huge season as Dak is. But the thing with uh, Watson is that he's going to have to put up big numbers in order to be successful this year, and in order to help his team win. And I think their offensive line improved in the off season. So I think he's got better protection right now than he has in the past. So I think he could put up some pretty big stats this season. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Dak and Deshaun Watson, both climbing at least double what they are now at some point during the season. Um, That's just a, just a projection right there. Uh, As far as the early part of the season, I kind of like Arizona's schedule. They're playing San Francisco in week one, which should pr- probably be their toughest matchup. San Francisco, they, they've played well against them the last couple times that they've, that they've played. So I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona surprises against them. But then they got Washington, Detroit, Carolina, the Jets, Dallas, and Seattle. So I don't see anything too intimidating there for Arizona to compete with. So if you're looking to buy those Kyler Murray cards still, you might still have an opportunity to buy them before they go up too far. I'd also be looking at Hopkins and I'd be looking at maybe even Christian Kirk in in those players. And if you believe in that running backs will also have potential to take off, you might want to check out Kenyon Drake as well. So that's, that's one team. Uh, that I'd be uh, focused on. And as far as individual players, um, I think based on best ball value and and seeing where these these players were going in best ball, I, I think Joe Mixon with the Bengals has a lot of potential this year. He's also got a decent schedule and he's got uh, a, a new offensive friendly environment around him. And I think that the Bengals are going to outperform this year. And also Aaron Jones is in a situation where he could have a pretty big year. I think they're getting a little bit more away from Jamal Williams uh, with the drafting of uh, A.J. Dillon, I believe, like for the, um, uh, for the most recent draft. So I think they might be – Aaron Jones might have an opportun- more opportunity than he has in the past this season. And if, if he does, he could, he could have a pretty monster season. But both of these cards raw, uh, Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones, are trading for under 30 bucks. So there's some opportunity there to scoop up some raw cards. And you might want to do that through Star Stock or Com C. I think they're a little bit more – you have a little bit more protection – if you're buying from those sites than you would buying from eBay as far as making sure that you're getting a card without any 
surface issues or anything like that. Brennan uh, can probably uh, attest to that. Uh, what their what their process is for judging cards before putting them in the inventory. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just jump. I'll just jump in with that. So I've spent about four months on Starstock now, and I've been on Comsi for a little over six. Uh, Comsi, I think, recently made a change where they load everything in. And they will put a note on the card if there's something to call out. So I've, I've actually had some things loaded in in the last couple of months. And typically before they would just load them in with no notes. Um, now they'll put a note corner issue, surface issue. Um, so still take a look at the images and also make sure there's no notes on ComC of, of edgeware, surface issue. They're not going to make a comment about centering. So that's something you should look at yourself. As far as Starstock, I think Starstock actually has a really cool dynamic where they're actually grading the cards as they come in, an A, B, or C. So an A can have up to up to one a minor issue. Again, I don't think they wait uh, centering all that much, and I also don't know if they have individual pictures yet on Starstock. So the one caveat to Starstock is there's no guarantee on centering, but um, I have noticed that Starstock A's um, have been in pretty good condition. They sell for for pretty good and. They're pretty tight on their grading. I've sent things in that I thought were going to be A's that came back B's. So they're not just loading everything in, in as A's in Starstock. They're pretty fair. Um, so I agree with Simon. If you're on ComC and if you're on Starstock, uh, you know, you have a pretty good understanding that it's in decent condition. Um, there's no analysis out there yet to say everything's a PSA 9 or above. Um, but I think you have to feel good versus on eBay where you have fuzzy pictures and, and I've gotten cards before where there's not a scratch on the, on the image, but there is one in the mail. So either they took the perfect angle of the shot on eBay or they just sent me a different card. So eBay is a wild west of sorts. Um, I agree. Comsi and Starstock give you a little bit, not only do they give you more liquidity, which we've already talked about, um, but they also give you a little more safety from a card condition standpoint. Uh, Chief, a couple of things I thought we'll talk about what Simon was talking about. Uh, well, for starters, Mixon got paid. Good for him. Uh, he's got a four-year deal, and I think I like the prospects of being attached to Burrow. Uh, I think Burrow is going is to be good. Uh, I'm bullish on him. Uh, so, Chief, I'm curious your thoughts as far as Mixon versus Jones when you consider the price, and then the the three quarterbacks he was talking about, Dak, uh, Jax, and uh, Watson. Who, who's your favorite amongst those three when you consider uh, the cost? Uh, I mean, look, I think the name of the game in, in this sport is, you know, who's going to put up the numbers. And this is, if you're talking about profit, who's going to put up the numbers and uh, whose team is going to win the most games. I, I think that's kind of the combination that you're trying to roll with or the formula you're, you're looking for. And so, you know, when I'm looking at Aaron Jones versus Joe Mixon, uh, I, I'm just, I'm going to have to side with Aaron Jones. I, I do like Joe Burrow. I, I think Joe Burrow's a, a heck of a talent. I still don't think they're going to win a lot of games this year. Uh, you know, pretty tough division. I mean, they've got to deal with uh, this. Well, I don't even want to say the Steelers. I don't even want to let that come out of my mouth. But they've got to deal with the Ravens, <laughs> and they've got to deal with the Browns team that, once again, everybody's hyping up before preseason, and they've never, they haven't proven to us in 20 years that they're going to win. But, you know, they, they passed the paper eye test in terms of the names that are on the roster. Um, and then, you know, I, I just think – I think it's going to be a tough road for the Bengals yet again. I'm not going to believe that the Bengals are going to win until until I see it. I'm, I'm, so I'm taking the Ravens out of that division. I, so I just – I can't buy, buy mixing over, you know, Aaron Jones. When I look at, you know, uh, the NFC, 
And I see that, you know, in the NFC North, you've got the Bears, Lions, Packers, and Vikings. And I'm assuming that it's going to be a race between the Packers and Vikings yet again. That's my assumption. So I'm all aboard Jones. And then when I look at these quarterbacks, you know, between Dak, Lamar Jackson, and, uh, and, and Deshaun Watson, the thing about it is I don't think Houston's going to win the division. Could be wrong. I, I think – I think Watson puts up better overall numbers because he's going to have more passing yards, right? So in, in that regard, I think I'd take uh, uh, Watson over Jackson right now. Overall, when I look at that, you know, we're assuming that the NFC East is going to improve. We're assuming that Ron Rivera is going to help Washington be more competitive. Uh, we're assuming that Carson Wentz can stay healthy and, you know, maybe his receivers can stay healthy. But when I, when I look at this receiving list and I see Alshon Jeffrey and I see Greg Ward and I see they've got Miles Sanders, I, I'm just uninspired in terms of all the weapons he has. Right now, the Giants and Cowboys seem to have the most talent. And so if I had to choose between those, I, I'd take the Cowboys. And so I think I have to catapult Dak to the top of this list. Uh, they've got a, a, a coach that has some imagination now. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Mike McCarthy has learned from his Aaron Rodgers days and doesn't become Jason Garrett 2.0. Uh, if he can just go for it on fourth down a few times and let Dak push the ball down the field, uh, the Cowboys will probably win 12 games with ease. So I think out of those three overall, I think I'd take Dak because I feel like Dak potentially has the easiest road to the Super Bowl um, and, you know, which will keep him playing longer, keep him top of mind. And with the weapons he has, uh, he should be able to put up the numbers. So that's, that's kind of where I am with those guys. Um, you know, winning games, putting up numbers, I think that's the recipe for success if you want to look at those guys. A few things tilt me more than when I'm watching a game and, like, the coach decides to punt on fourth and inches from the 50-yard line, and the announcer in the booth is like, that's that's the move, that's the call, you got to pin them back. It's like, what? And it's always Trachman <laughs> living in a world of delusion. Oh, come on, man. Like, math. Can we get these guys some cock? Nah, I don't want to go on a it's a. This is a sports card show. Oh, I should say, uh, as far as primetime games, I don't know. Maybe you have a thought on this, Simon, but we talked about, you know, trading these guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's a stock market week to week. When it's a Thursday night primetime game, we got Houston versus Kansas City. I'd assume the reaction will be stronger. Uh, if, if Watson does great, then all of a sudden the excitement is even more because it's on a bigger platform, opening game, everybody's excited. Uh, is that kind of sort of built in? Is that a thought that we're, we're, we're considering? Mahomes on our side, too, obviously. Uh, and also, you wanted to compare CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey versus Miles Sanders. Is he the next CMC? Hey, hey yeah. quick, 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 quick. Oh, my bad, quick, quick. Can I please plug something in about Watson really quick before, before we move? Go for it. I will say this. Everyone in America felt like trading away DeAndre Hopkins was <laughs> like the worst trade in, in NFL history. And while I think it was a bad trade, here's what they have working on their side. And I kind of talked about this a little bit on, on another show today. What if David Johnson can turn back the clock and go back to 2016 David Johnson? Like, right? Perhaps he's not damaged goods. He had, he's had some injuries. If he picks his speed back up, they're going to throw him the ball. He's going to get the touches. I, I talked about the fact that Lamar Miller was getting about 20 carries a game in this offense. This guy is better than Lamar Miller. Even a bad David Johnson is better than a good Lamar Miller. So let's just get that straight. He's going to be catching passes out of the backfield. And this team does have 
a level of speed. Now, I'm not saying it's Tyreek Hill speed, but I'm saying they've got Will Fuller. They've got Brandon Cooks. And while those guys are injury and uh, concussion prone, they have tons of speed on the outside. And now they have reliable hands in Randall Cobb. Look, I'm not saying this team is Kansas City. I'm not saying they're the Cowboys. What I am saying is I think this team is better than than people think. No, I don't think they're winning the division. I'm not going to say that. But I think the recipe is there for them to open up the playbook a little bit. And if they start pushing the ball down the field, I think you'll see David Johnson's numbers pick back up and get closer to 2016. And now this is a whole new ball game for Houston where they didn't really have a quality running back and they had one receiver. Well, now they have two plus a guy, a reliable guy in the slot. I know it looks like a bad trade on the surface, but I think it can still work. Just want to plug that in. Sorry about that, Simon. Please continue. Oh, you're all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with Chief. I think that the uh, Texans will do uh, pretty well this season. I think that David Johnson has, definitely has a chance to rejuvenate himself. I, I've been drafting him a ton in best ball in like the fifth round. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of how far the, the public opinion of, of David Johnson has fallen. But, you know, you, you never know when these guys are going to uh, come out after a couple bad seasons and then just explode. And he's in the right environment for it. We've seen how Houston treats their running backs in the past. They usually just let a guy run with it. Like they got Duke Johnson last year and they still had Lamar Miller uh, running all the time you know like running all over the place so I think that David Johnson definitely landed in the right spot if we were hoping for him to uh, to have another great season Um, and I think as far I'm going to disagree a little bit on I think I don't know if it's necessarily about winning with uh, with with uh, fantasy football people getting into the card market I think they're looking more for stats and I think that is kind of reflected in uh, Christian McCaffrey's, um, let me call it up here, Christian McCaffrey's actual card prices. Because you can see from this chart that his his cards are up to, his raw cards are up to, I'm talking about his 2017 Prism Silver cards are up to about $149. And they didn't win a whole lot of games last season, but the cards were on a steady upward climb. And I think if you're looking for the next Christian McCaffrey, a guy who can, you know, Christian McCaffrey came out of nowhere a couple years ago. It wasn't last year that he broke out, but uh, a couple years ago, he was, nobody was really expecting much out of him. And then he, he had a huge season and then he's followed that up with another huge season. I think if you're looking for a guy that could follow that same kind of path. I think Miles Sanders is a good guy to look at. I think Sanders is going to be in position similar to what McCaffrey was in where he's just given the ball a ton. We already talked about the Eagles lack of receivers and they're basically relying on tight ends for all their receptions. So if you throw Miles Sanders into that mix, the Eagles are very high on him. They've already talked about him being the guy this year he doesn't have a whole lot of competition other than Boston Scott, who's also really good for touches. But I think Miles Sanders could have the type of season that Christian McCaffrey had a couple years ago that kind of launches his career and sets him up for a few good seasons over the next next few years. And you can get his cards right now. His 
2019 Prism Silver Raw card is going for $83. And his Prism Football Base Raw card is going for $14.80. So if you wanted to invest in a guy that could potentially follow that, uh, that Christian McCaffrey uh, path, Miles Sanders might be the guy to look at. I'd wait for it actually to come down uh, from $83, more in that $60 range if, if, it's, if it ever hits that price again, just to give yourself plenty of, of pad for the downside if, if things go wrong. Uh, Chief, I want your thoughts on CMC versus Miles Sanders, but I do have to chime in and say uh, it's not David Johnson's fault. Like it's, he could definitely come back and be good, but it's about the replaceability of running backs, unfortunately. And I guess the, the, they could have got Fournette for free off the street. <laughs> like, you know, like what's the difference between Fournette and Johnson? I don't know. Basically the same, more or less. They didn't know that was coming. Fournette news just broke. <laughs> Come on now. Everything... Evan Silva knew it like three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. But, you know, they, they, were, they, they were trying to make the trade. Either way, look, look, like I said, I didn't feel like it was a great trade. I'm just saying I don't think it's as bad as we think it is. That That's all I'm saying. Talk about uh, the CMC versus Miles Sanders, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, look, Miles Sanders is going to have to be involved. This is why I feel like the Cowboys are going to win this division. Like I said, I mean, I just think, uh, you know, they're going to have to rely on him heavily, you know, and, and, and thank God, you know, Doug Peterson finally unleashed a running back on us last year. He's had a history of playing like five running backs, and he's telling you, oh, this is our guy this week. And then Sproles gets 15 carries. And another guy gets 10. Another guy gets five. And you're like, I don't know who to, who to play, who to take, who to invest in. I do think Miles Sanders is a guy that we can for sure invest in. If you haven't watched All or Nothing, listen, I, I watch a lot of sports, a lot of documentaries. Watch that documentary. Uh, they, they really like Miles Sanders. Uh, they dealt with a lot of injuries, and they fought through that. Uh, I think it was last season, if I'm not mistaken. Really good documentary if you haven't watched it. It'll give you a really good sneak peek into how the Eagles organization is run. And is I, that Amazon? I, think, I feel like they did Phoenix a couple of years ago. Is it the yeah, Arizona? Yeah, okay. is yeah they've Amazon done Phoenix. They've done the, the Panthers. They've done the Cowboys. Look, it, uh, if, if you watch these documentaries, and I, I know we got to go. Sometimes I'm not watching them to drive up car prices. I'm watching them to get information. And that helps me make informed decisions down the line. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Miles Sanders. I don't. I don't think he's going to quite hit the CMC level unless they dial CMC's touches back. <laughs> I mean, they really push the ball to, to to McCaffrey a lot, which is going to help inflate his numbers because he's getting the ball like, God, almost sixty percent of the offense comes from him. Probably a little more than that. Um, but you know, with the lack of weapons, we could definitely see an uptick in his production. So I, I like I like that call a lot. Definitely, definitely comparable for sure. Yeah, I mean, CMC was uh, he played every single snap some games last year. That's just no other that doesn't happen in the game in 2020 outside of uh, the running back. And, and I am a Panthers fan, and I think that's totally stupid. Just get another <laughs> running back out of the draft and give the guy a couple snaps off. Like, what are we doing? You got Mike Davis, I think, right? South Carolina, Mike Davis. Is yeah, like we Carolina picked up Carolina? Mike Davis. We picked up Mike Davis. He'll, he'll give him a breather, hopefully. We got a new coach now. You know, the ownership went in a different direction. Got Matt Rule. By the way, the guys do like Matt Rule. Just giving out that information, <laughs> reading articles. They, they really like him. They, they say they like him a lot, you know, and so maybe they come out and play hard and uh, we, we get some, some production from good old Robbie Anderson, who he brought down from the Jets, who also played for him at Temple. 
Uh, Will mentioned it, Simon. We're up against the clock, so just uh, fire away a couple names if you don't mind. Uh, give me a couple more names you wanted to talk about, and then uh, we can segue right into our mail day where you, you, know, you, you put out your, your socials, you tell the people where they can find you, you show off one of the cards you've recently purchased, talk about that card, and, and all that good stuff. I'm good, man. I mean, I, th- I think I think loading up on a little bit of Will Fuller. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of rookie cards out there, but I think he's still very affordable. Uh, for with him probably going to be the primary attachment to uh, to um, to Deshaun Watson. And then you know we were talking about receivers. Another guy, I think, kind of in a similar situation. I think Stephon Diggs is another good investment. Going to be kind of a primary target for Josh Allen. We know that Josh Allen isn't going to throw the ball as much as Watson. But when he does, he's typically hitting his, one of his main guys, which is why, you know, we invested in John Brown so much in DFS last year. So if we invested in John Brown for DFS purposes because we felt like Josh Allen was going to be feeding him the ball most games, then I definitely think Stephon Diggs is the guy we need to look at. Going to be a primary target in the offense. Uh, should put up some good numbers this year. Where can the people find you? Well, give the people their so- your social and the – not your social. Your social. So, so yeah. security number. <laughs> your socials. I should make that plural. It's two different things. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, tell them uh, what, what card are we going to be showing off here for mail day? Yeah, man. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at ChiefJustice06. Uh, listen, you know, I talked about RJ Barrett. I've been buying a fair amount of RJ Barrett stuff. I've, I'm probably overloaded on RJ Barrett at this point. And the more the cards come in, I said, well, I might as well just keep buying more now. Uh, you guys know why I'm, why I'm loading up on RJ. But he's kind of a primary investment for me now in the off season while I can get him really cheap before Tom Thibodeau runs him out for about 35 to 40 minutes a game. And we see uh, in, an uptick in his production. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau is the same uh, coaching mentality that the Carolina Panthers had for a CMC every single minute, every single play. We can't take you out for a breather. Uh, Simon, what do you have for us for mail day? And uh, if you have another name, feel free to fire it off. Yeah, you can find me at Yeti boom films on Twitter and in the RG discord channel where we're always sharing mail days and sharing ideas on cards. Uh, Chiefs heavily active in there and always has good recommendations and good picks for, for people. So make sure you check out that channel uh, if you want to share or, or find good ideas. Uh, the card that I'm showing off today is my mail day card I got this past week. It's Deshaun Watson, his 2017 Donruss Optic Hollow card, and it's a, uh, a PSA 10 I bought it for a good price, and it's one of those ones that I want to hold on to for some point. I'm looking for a double and, and maybe hopefully a triple. I hope he gets into that Lamar Jackson price range, and that's, that's kind of what I'm targeting. Close us out, Brennan. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Advisor. Uh, my mail day cards today are a couple of optic inserts from the 2018 soccer uh, set. Uh, and so one thing I've found with the soccer market is it, uh, it is much more volatile than basketball. We even might've hit it. We did hit a bubble a couple of weeks ago. So it's, it's a very, it's still a market that I think can be easily manipulated by uh, shill bidding and all of that kind of stuff. That being said, um, one thing about these inserts is the optic, the 2018 optic set, uh, those were hobby box only. So one thing to always look at when you're getting your cards and your sets is what are some different nuances you can take advantage of. Uh, the 2018 soccer optic inserts were only available in hobby. So these are very rare. You're not going to see a lot of them. Whereas target had 
you know, a lot of retail product. The optic inserts specifically are hobby only, and those are different things you can look at in any sport uh, to find some opportunity to get low population cards that other people aren't targeting. So uh, soccer for me is a long-term bet for the 2022 uh, World Cup. I think that'll be a peak selling season when hype around soccer is at its highest. Uh, so pretty excited to get those in, and uh, I hope I'm right. I might not be, but uh, diversifying away from uh, basketball and football, I think, is smart, uh, at least if it's just a little bit of your portfolio. All right. Do ask you guys like and subscribe. We much appreciate that. The comment section is yours. Tell us what you guys want us to hear uh, uh, on, on future shows. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best to oblige. Uh, that said, oh, also 20% off that market mover tool we talked about earlier, SCISportsCardInvestor.com. Use the promo code GRINDERS. For Simon, Brennan, Chief, I was Dean. This was Sports Cards. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Go Heat. Holler. <laughs>